This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Well, hello and welcome to Albion Analysis with me, Chris Hall, and him uh, safely tucked away in a house in Munich, uh, Pete George. He's uh, he's made it safely uh, down the autobahn and down the um, yeah, down the uh, Austrian tunnels, despite the the van doing its best to uh, to clap out on you at the least at the most inconvenient time, Pete. Um, so. Uh, we, you know, we, we didn't uh, review any of, um, uh, ch- uh, Tuesday's game, uh, because you had a little bit, a little bit of a hairy drive on your hands, didn't you? Yeah, start off with a van that didn't start. And then, um, once finally got it jumped and, and started, decided it was going to pretend to cut out on me in the middle of the motorway, which isn't much fun. No, but not the speeds they do in Germany. It's not. No. <laughs> no, the length of the, the tunnels in Austria. So. It was an interesting drive, but um, got her eventually, safe and sound. So, fingers crossed. It's uh, nothing too serious. Wonderful stuff. And uh, let's well, let, let's let's hope it's a Cedric Kipre type situation, Pete. Um, uh, looks more serious than it actually turns out to be. Maybe maybe that's maybe today's diagnosis on Kipre is is something of a a positive omen for you. Yeah, hopefully, because um, I mean that was brilliant news, really, because he's a player that's been so good for us this season um, and not a player that we want to miss out, lose to injury, especially, well, if it's going to be long-term, depending on how long-term, um, you know, we're going to have Jai probably away in at the start of the new year for the, the AFCON. So, well, and we've got enough injuries on our hands anyway. So, you know, we don't want one of our key players being out for any longer than, than well, we don't really want them being out at all, to be honest, do we? Well, as as the as the person who slaughtered him at the start of the season, I, I suppose I should be the one to say say this. Dare I say our most important centre half at the moment? Yeah, I think definitely. Um, by far the most comfortable on the ball and bringing it out and carrying it forward, especially against teams that are going to sit back like 
can't remember who we played now. Um, QPR. QPR, that was it. Yep, like QPR did. Um, you need players that are going to be able to carry it forward and break. Maybe just not do the the usual pattern of play and, and just kind of improvise and you know break down those low blocks. So, yeah, he's such a, a key centre-back to have. Um, obviously, Peters is useful out on the left, um, especially with being left-footed, and, and Bartley's very good in the air at, at what he does, but... Do you think Bartley think being Kipre. as solid as he is and and being just a no nonsense defender has made Kiprey a better player? That that because he knows he knows Bartley's going to take care of that side of things. That that he you know if he if he does if he does miss a header, Bartley's probably going to be there clearing up and and uh, and thumping it clear. And he does the no nonsense stuff, which you know Kiprey kind of showed at the start of the season maybe isn't his strength, but. Bartley's not really finesse in any way, shape, or form, and Kipre can do that side of things for him. Yeah, and I think it probably allows Kipre to be more aggressive with his defending, um, which is what he does best. I think Gore Brown said earlier in the season is that that's when he's um, at his best is when he's brave and goes into challenges rather than hesitating. And having Bartley behind him to he's obviously not not the quickest Bartley, but to know that he's there to to sweep up any long balls that go in the air, he's going to win the headers. Um, yeah, probably allows him to, to be a bit more aggressive with his defending and, well, allows Kiprey to be more aggressive with his, his defending and, and that's where he thrives in terms of the defensive side of his game. Absolutely. I mean, what, we, what we're going to do today is, obviously, it's been a, a few days have passed since the... Um... Uh, since the victory over over Queens Park Rangers, but we will we'll look at that a little bit. But what we want to do, do is look at today through the lens of uh, the anniversary that was uh, that was celebrated um, on uh, on Thursday, which was um, twelve months a year exactly of Carlos Corbran at the helm of West Bromwich Albion, an appointment which I think, given where we were heading under Steve Bruce, has turned out to be a really really important appointment. Now. What the, where that victory against QPR leaves us is six in the table. It moved us up to fifth at the time, but obviously other teams played on Wednesday and we got bumped down a position. So it leaves us sixth in the table. Obviously, last season we got we went from bottom of the league to within a result of the playoffs. I mean, Pete, he's just done an unbelievable job, hasn't he? And I don't really... There still seems to be some lingering negativity, and we'll sort of address that... Um, Shortly, but let's look at Corbrand's overall record: one point six two points per game, twenty two wins, ten draws, fifteen defeats. Now that one point six two get point. Uh, let me try that again. That one point six two points per game equates out over a forty six game season as seventy five points. Now, on in an average championship season, that is enough to finish fifth. So the way Corbrand has us competing over an entire year and I'm not having any of this nonsense by the way about oh we started hot and then we've the results have dropped off a little bit we've got 12 months we've got 12 months of data every season has peaks and troughs in it you've got 12 months of data to judge Carlos Corbran and over the course of a 12 month period Carlos Corbran has produced results which equate to a fifth place finish in the championship now that is not to be sniffed at on top of that he's got us 14 clean sheets. That is the most in the top four divisions of English football of any team 
since the date Corbran was appointed West Bromwich Albion manager. So no team has kept more clean sheets than us since the day Corbran became our manager. We've kept six clean sheets in the last eight games. Now, I'm aware clean sheets aren't necessarily always the sexiest thing. And I've seen some people saying things like, well, you know, I want entertainment. I want uh, I want entertainment. Let me put that in perspective. If you think entertainment is goals, is being a little bit more open, is attacking. Under Steve Bruce last season, we kept two clean sheets in the entire 14 games that he was Albion manager at the start of that season. Both of those were nil-nil draws. So Bruce clearly couldn't set a team up to both attack and defend at the same time. Within that, we uh, we had a 3-2 defeat to Swansea, a 3-2 defeat to Birmingham, a 2-2 draw with uh, Huddersfield, our one win, a 5-2 win over, over Hull City, a 2-1 defeat at, uh, at Blackburn. Now, I'm rattling off a lot of results that have 2.5 goals or more in them, Pete, which most people would consider to be uh, entertaining because that is that's above the average for um for for a, for a, for a game above 2.5 is obviously um uh, above above average yet i don't think how do you take positives out of that i've named one win i've rattled, i've rattled off five or six games which were which were above 2.5 goals under um under steve bruce at, in the in the season before he got the sack and yet only one of them is a victory now when you look at Albion's results that are under 2.5 goals per game, that's a 1-1 draw with Leeds. That's a 0-0 draw with Bristol City, a 0-0 draw with um, Millwall, a 1-0 win over Sheffield Wednesday, a 0-0 draw with Plymouth, and a 2-0 win over QPR. We haven't lost any of those games. I'm sorry, I will take low-scoring games that we are not losing over high scoring games that we are and i don't i don't understand anybody who doesn't who doesn't see that that's good yeah i get that people say they want to watch entertaining and football um it's easy on the eye and see lots of goals and everything but you've got to i think if everyone was honest with themselves they'd say they'd rather take points and than entertaining games where you don't pick up points um and especially in the situation that the, the club's in now that we need to we need promotion if, well, we need to take over, if not promotion, then to save us financially, then points are even more important than ever, if you like. Um, and the well, fact not, that... not just that, Pete, but I mean, if we carried on losing 3-2, like we, like we did towards the end of uh, Bruce's reign in a couple of games, forget promotion to the Premier League, we'd be in League One. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. Um, year anniversary, you can look at where we were a year ago, and that's, what, in 20, was it 24th or 23rd when Corbran took over? And now... Um, yeah, I think it was 23rd and then we slipped to 24th in his first game, didn't we? The defeat to Sheffield United. Yeah, so you look at that now and um, I believe I'm right in saying that we're, we're now sitting in the playoff spots um, and we're competing against well, the teams that got relegated from the Premier League last season, like Leicester, just, they've got such an unbelievable squad for the, the championship. It's you know hardly even a competition to against them because they've, they've got a team full of Premier League players and, and good Premier League players, a lot of them as well. So... Um, the fact that we can do that without spending any money on transfer fees and we're two points off leads. As well. We're two points off leads. I mean, how much money did they yeah, spend again, in the summer? And even the players that they brought down with them to have Nonto and I mean the 
Rutu was, I think he was like thirty plus million pound signing. So forty, I think, Pete, and and Somerville as well, an unbelievable player. Yeah, exactly, um, and um, Ethan Ampadu signing was a a very very good signing. They've again Premier League players in the squads, and we're making do with the players that we've had last season. With you know a couple of freezing um, in Chalaber and uh, Josh Madger. Yeah, and Maj has been and then a injured. Of loans as well. Maj has been injured. Pip has barely barely played. Sarmiento's coming on loan, and and he uh, he's injured as well. So he hasn't he hasn't even got other than Chalabar, He hasn't even got. Um, I mean, he's he's got Pipper available, but as I say, Pip hasn't just not quite broken in yet. But I mean, he's got uh, he's got no no Maja, no Sarmiento, which were the two sort of stellar signings he's he's we've made under under his reign really yeah and two players that you'd expect to bring excitement to the game as well so that probably makes the criticism of the game's been boring a bit a bit more unfair because he's missing players like Madrin and Samiento probably brighten up a game if they were fit and, and playing um but yeah the fact that we can compete, compete with squads that are towards the top of the league without making signings and with paper thin squad and so many injuries um is I think a huge credit to to Corbran and his ability to actually get the best out of players that have come back in that have been on loan. You look at Moa and Kit Pro, two players who, if you thought about it in the summer, you could probably say they're on the verge of. I think most Albion fans kind of considered considered their Albion careers to be you know towards an end and would have been happy to see them being moved on. But um, yeah, after the first. I, 10, 12 games, I can't remember how many games we've played. They're looking like two of our key players, especially. I mean, Kipre, you know, had a, a little bit of a slow start this season, but after you know, two or three games, he was establishing himself, and you can understand why Corbran persisted with him and trusted him. And then Moet's come in recently and looked like our, our best central midfielder out of nowhere. So, yeah, that I think that deserves massive credit to, to get the best out of the players that you've already got in the squad that were coming back in, rather than having to to go out in the transfer market and spend however many, however many millions of pounds to to bring in the exact player that you want. Well, Not every coach can just make the most of what they've got, can they? No, I mean, it's an interesting point you raised, Pete. If you actually go through the squad, who hasn't he improved, really? I mean, OK, you could you can argue Jed Wallace has dropped off a little bit um, from where he was at the start, at the start of last season, he was probably able to play a more a more role, a role that was much more natural to him under Bruce than the one he's been asked to play under under Corbran. I would suggest that Brandon Thomas Asante has struggled a little bit in the nine, but then that's got more to do with injuries and lack of options and having to demand of Brandon what is really we shouldn't be having to demand of him. But you go through other areas of the team. I mean, you've just mentioned a couple there. Moat and Kipre were gone. I mean, quite literally, they were gone. They were gone on loan. Their Albion careers were written off. Bruce could uh, could not get the pair of them out the door fast enough last summer. And they've come back. And now Kipre, we've we've already talked about today and how uh, and and how pleasing it is that the the injury news on him is not severe. And I honestly didn't think for one second, especially when I saw him at the start of the season. And this is testament to Corbran because I'm I'm not I'm not making stuff up. Like I went to Burton and he was garbage. I went to Blackburn and he was dreadful. But Corbran has clearly sat him down and got a lot of information into him and said, "Look, these are the things you're doing wrong. This is how you've got to improve." And he's improved him as a footballer. 
Alex Mowat. Unbelievable. I mean, Alex Mowat absolutely turned the game against QPR, didn't he? I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on the QPR game as we go along. And it's it's interesting when you look at when you look at the data because obviously in the fifty fourth minute, um, Moat was brought on to replace Yukoslu. He made six progressive passes, and he he only came up, came on in the fifty fourth minute. And I think those six progressive passes were the um, were, were the second most of a non defender. Um, it's you know, it, it's it's really it, he he had five sh- uh, shot creating actions, which was second only to Grady, and Grady played the ninety, and and, and Moat didn't. The, the the contribution Alex Moat is having for this team is unbelievable, and this was a player that I'm I'm not going to talk about the Valrain because he started very well, and I think as we've now discovered since then, because it's come out a bit in the wash that. He did drop off throughout that season, but it seems largely down to him carrying a really nasty hernia injury, which which he was really struggling with. And but under Bruce, Bruce couldn't get him out the door fast enough. And it, I mean, he, he had an up and down time at, at, at Borough uh, before having a really strong finish to the season. But I, I think we were all assuming that he'd probably go back and play for Val at Watford in in the summer and. To be honest, I think most of us were looking at what money he was on and um, and the contribution that he'd made and thinking, well, good riddance. Well, thank goodness he didn't go anywhere. And the same is true of Kipre. And I'm just going to throw a third one into the mix before I throw it to you, Pete. The transformation in Carl Bartley as well. I mean, we'll, we'll always go back to that Blues game with Carl Bartley under Steve Bruce. And... I mean, Bruce's tactics for a player like Carl Bartley were crazy. I mean, they were they they were just begging to lose. I mean, playing a high line with all that space in behind him with somebody like Carl Bartley who doesn't like getting turned around, who isn't quick, and we just he just got exploited time and again. And uh, to be honest, I have I have not seen an Albion player berated off the, off the pitch like that. In a, I mean, maybe yeah. I, actually, maybe the um, uh, the the game after um, Taxi Gate, there, uh, there was a bit of that for for. I think it was Gareth Barry when he was substituted. It was it was awful the game after, but it's very rare. I mean, you know, I end up going back to people like Scott Darton, who uh, only our older listeners will will remember. But I mean, he he got destroyed by by the Albion crowd and uh, young left back and. Uh, never never really played again for us after that but there's I'm, I'm really picking very few players out here and the ones that i am picking out very few of them come back from the kind of um destruction really of uh of, of of their morale that bartley suffered that night against birmingham city not only has he come back he he's come back he's been he was hugely important when corbran first came in and was a major goal threat then he got injured and missed a big chunk of time and really looked like he was out on his ear again. And then, I mean, the rumours were that he'd gone in the summer. And not only has he has he has he stayed, has he come back from that? I mean, he's made himself absolutely integral to the way we play. I mean, that, uh, we'll we'll chat about a few others in a second, Pete. But that's just three players there, straight off the top uh, top of my head. Kipre and Moat and Bartley, who, to all intents and purposes, 
we all thought their Albion careers were finished and Carlos Corbran has 100% resurrected them. Yeah, Bartley's a, a good good one as well because, like say, when Corbran first came in, they used him and he was, you know, looking really good and, and scoring goals as well. And it was just, he picked up a, an injury, didn't he, and was out for basically the rest of the season. Um, shortly after he managed to trigger his, his contract extension. Um, and then when he was out for so long, you know, he's again still getting criticism despite his good performances because people are saying that, you know, he, he turns up for a couple of games a season, gets his contract extension and then um, is off injured for the rest of the season. But, you know, when you, you see the performances that he's putting in, in this season, then, um, yeah, I think you've got to question the criticism and, and see why Corbyn trusted him and was happy to um, to have that contract extension triggered. Um, you know, I'm sure he'd have known about it. I know it was done on a number of games played or something. So if he didn't want that contract extension doing, then I'm sure he wouldn't have played him that much. But um, he's shown a lot of trust in him. And I think, especially now, with a few of our, our better attacking players and creative players out, I think he's so important to us, despite not having scored from them, really. Um, well, I suppose partly on against Preston. But... Um, I think it's going to be more of a focus on set pieces and, you know, Bartley's so threatening in the opposition box that, yeah, I think he's going to be basically undroppable um, from the back line at the minute. And then you look at, and then you, then you look at the more forward areas, Pete. And I, I, I slightly caveat myself there because I, uh, I, I, want, uh, I, I nearly said forwards, and then I realised I'm about to talk about Matt Phillips, and I'm, I'm not sure I can call him a forward at the moment because he's, he, he's, he's as much a wing back as he is anything else. But you look at the forwards that he is, that he's res- resurrected to a point. Matt Phillips, oh my goodness me! I mean. I, I, I would love I would love to ask Matt Phillips this question, but I find it hard to believe Matt Phillips has been playing better football at any point in his long career. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe when he when he burst onto the scene, uh, 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 you know, as as a younger player and uh, and was really dynamic. And I, I think he, I think if I remember correctly, he scored some daft goals for Blackpool in the in the Premier League. Maybe he would say he would say them, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure I've ever seen better, more consistent. I've certainly never seen better and more consistent football from Matt Phillips in an Albion shirt. I can assure you of that. I simply haven't watched enough of. Um, Wickham or QPR or Blackpool to to say whether 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 Matty was was better or not at the, at those clubs, but certainly not in an Albion shirt. And the way he manages to adapt Matty time and again to different roles, whether it's left wing back, right wing back, left midfield, right midfield, playing as a centre forward, you know, he he just but he never has a bad game under under Corbrand. I honestly can't think of a single bad game Matty has had since Corbran came in because he w- he was our best player until he got injured. And then he's been, I'm not going to go as far as to say our best player this season, because that would do a disservice to the next player I'm going to talk about, which is John Swift. But he certainly, I would suggest he's been our most consistent player this season by a country mile. And then you've got John Swift. And I, and it's so important to talk about him. We, we discussed this um, last week, didn't we? Where, I said, you know, John Swift, uh, in fact, I think this was with Joe I was talking about this, uh, that John Swift has now scored as many goals in, I think it's 8.190s for us than he did in 36.90s in the whole of last season. I mean, it's staggering what John Swift has become under Corbran. It's very clear to me, Steve Bruce 
brought John Swift in purely on, uh, and to a degree, Jed Wallace, because they were the best available frees in the division. It was blindingly obvious. I mean, it was so obvious, Pete, even we said it on the pod, that that they were the obvious frees to go and get. But I don't think he had a plan for John Swift. John Swift was like a lost little boy, stuck out on that left-hand side, no clue what he was doing in what was turning into a sort of weirdly crowded area of the of the pitch where he was like he was almost bumping into Grady D and Garner and it just it, it wasn't it wasn't working and and to be honest, he looked demoralized, he looked broken. He came back in under under Corbran and his creativity especially towards the back end of that season was was absolutely phenomenal but this season he's just gone on to another level and it seems it just seems to be the common thread is Corbran and now in the last few weeks we're 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 seeing the best of Grady Dean Garner again and nobody's managed that since Slavon Bilic we we saw flickers of it under Bruce, we we suggested maybe just maybe Steve Bruce was the arm around the shoulder man manager that Grady needed, but then I think tactically in the end Bruce let him down. I, I feel like Corbran is both. Uh, I don't buy into any of this nonsense. Grady's playing playing for a move. If Grady if Grady was capable of just turning it on like a tap, he would have played for his move uh, a long time ago and gone. Um, and and gone back to the Premier League. What well, do you think he's been knocking knocking about Albion for the uh, for the, for the fun of it, for the heck of it, uh, for the last uh, for the last few years? No, he's playing well because he's getting his confidence back, he's getting his belief back, and he's he's got a manager who's got a real plan for him. Who you know, I mean, you look at look at the QPR game for example. Grady Grady had a good first half, and he was the only player that I think did have a good first half because that first half was largely dire, but. He he was picking up the ball in the middle of the park and he was having to jink past two, three players and then try and find a pass that generally wasn't on. And in the end, he was getting he was getting snuffled out of it. He was getting uh, snuffled out of it. And 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 I uh, and I thought you just got to find him some space. And Corbran has just looked at that half time and just gone get nice and wide, get nice and wide on that right hand side. And we will do this big old switch over to you and and it didn't it didn't seem to matter whether it was um one of the center halves or Yukoslu or Moat or or Chalaba they were just looking for that big switch over to Grady and that's where that that's where the penalty comes from it's where the one that hit the post came from Grady destroyed that fullback for the rest of the night and that's Corbran that it make no I mean you've got to give Grady credit because you know it doesn't happen without the skills, and Grady was unbelievable on the night. I mean, there's absolutely no getting away from that. Absolutely phenomenal. But it's it's all comes from Corbrand's mind, the way he sees a game, and he just sees that that change needs to be made. He saw what was wrong with the way Steve Bruce was playing John Swift, and he saw the potential in Matt Phillips and this versatile player that could plug practically any gap he had got in this team. He sees these things. And and I just don't think, I don't think necessarily many, many managers do to the, to that extent. Away days are great. There's nothing quite like playing at home, especially with Albion's home record under Carlos Corbran. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. 
At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Yeah, you seem to see things for players and plans for players that a lot of people wouldn't, like you definitely wouldn't have expected. 12 months ago for to Matt Phillips to be playing as a left wing back consistently and putting in the kind of performances that he is. Um you'd say if you I mean if you even expected him to play wing back, you'd expect it to be on the right, you know, with his um being right footed. But Corbrand's you know, he plays him on the left and he's just yeah, putting in these performances every single week is extremely consistent. Um and yeah, the same for um, all the players you mentioned then, the ones that we spoke about before, Kipre and, and Moat, there was the plan in place at the start of the season, how they were going to be used. And Corbrand's talked about the timing of bringing Moat in. And it just seems to have worked perfectly because we're getting these brilliant perform- performances out of him. And he's doing things that the other midfield, central midfielders that we've got aren't able to do. Um, I think he was key coming on against QPR as well. I don't think he did the John Swift role as a lot of people have said um, I think it was more that he was just playing a little bit further forward because that QPR line was just dropping and he had the space to move forward and, and just kind of played as, as Alex Moat does and moves the ball around and because that line was a bit deeper he was able to play maybe a little bit higher up than he usually wouldn't have to be so um, so deep in the Albion half to, to kind of move the ball forward and progress the ball because we didn't have to beat that first line of pressure. So, for the um, for the, for the NFL so the, fans amongst you, Pete, I would describe it as he was he was like he was like a quarterback, but not uh, but not one of your quarterbacks who sort of hang uh, hangs back and throws the ball from deep. He was your he was your Patrick Mahomes who can run into the run into the space and then and then make the pass. You know what I mean? He was he, I don't think for one second he was playing the Swift role. He was he he wasn't getting in the box like Swift does for a start. No, exactly. Um, I have no idea what you just said, but I think it probably describes what I was um, <laughs> trying to get at. You work for Wembley for five years, mate. You end up watching quite a lot of NFL. <laughs> but yeah, he's you know he's doing as Alex Moat does, but a little bit higher up because that's where QPR were kind of letting us play. Um, and yeah, I thought he came on and was and was brilliant. And the other midfielder alongside him as well, Chalaber, had a, an extremely good game and the assists for Grady was just unbelievable to sit the player down and and then to have the composure to even pull it back to to Grady rather than just taking the shot on after you've done such a good little bit of skill and taking your man on. Well, two, um, two, I think a lot of players would. Sorry, Pete, I was just going to say two goal creating actions because it's his switch to Grady for the penalty as well. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, I thought he had a really good game again. Um, we said he played well in the previous game and um, he seems to be growing as well um, after, you know, a bit of a tough period at Albion, and I can't really, I couldn't really see where he fitted in. Um, but he's 
yeah, he seems to be growing each game and, and he's very technical and um, kind of, you can see that he's, you know, played in the Premier League and um, has got plenty of ability. It's just, it might be similar to Grady getting the confidence back um, and enjoyment of, of playing rather than feeling pressure when he's playing, um, which I suppose is the other side to Corbran is that he's getting these players to enjoy it and, well, for the players that need it, um, to have that enjoyment in, in when they're playing and it's getting the best out of them. So, um, like you say, I don't think there's a player in the squad that you can say that hasn't improved under Corbran. Well, I mean, the other thing with Chalibur, Pete, 91.4% pass completion rate for a, for a player who was getting into offensive areas. You talk about that Premier League quality. He doesn't waste the ball, does he? No. And, um, yeah, I think it's a lot of it's about awareness and, and technical technical ability to... Well, I mean, the goal was the perfect example of it, to the technical ability to take the players on and, and put them down like that and then the awareness to cut it back into that area. Um is just, yeah, it was sublime and you probably won't see many better assists this season than that. Um, so I think it shows that in other areas of the pitch as well. It's just that the goal was a, a very good example of it, but even just receiving the ball in the field, you quite often trust him to to not be dispe- uh, dispossessed of the ball in midfield and he tends to not waste it. So it's just, yeah, another midfielder that's coming in and putting in these brilliant performances and it's, you know, it's probably getting a bit complicated for Corbin as to who who picks as his midfield pairing. Well, it was interesting because somebody actually pointed out to me, because I, I put a very pro Chalibur post out on, on X after the game, and, and somebody came back to me and pointed out that, like, Corbran is rotating these positions to perfection. Like, he, you know, you think Moat is un, undroppable, then Moat comes out and Chalibur comes in, and he's brilliant, and and uh, he's, he seems to be rotating Yukoslu, Chalibur, Moat, Malumbi, unfortunately, seems to be the one who's missing out at the moment uh, more than anybody else. But he's rotating these players really, really well. And then similarly, when he had them fit, he was doing this with the um, with with his offensive players. Uh, You know, he was rotating Sarmiento, Wallace, Swift, Dean Garner around over over a period of games, you know, went with Swift and Wallace at at Watford and we scored two goals and then uh, went with um, uh, Dean Garner and Swift at, uh, against um, against Preston and obviously we scored scored four I think it was Sarmiento and uh, and Dean Garner against against Millwall and and whilst we didn't score in that game quite how we didn't score is anybody's guess I mean that you know we we, we did play very very well in that game he seems to be able to utilize his squad when indeed he has something akin to a squad available to him really well Pete he seems to be able to rotate these players and there doesn't seem to be a massive drop-off when he does it no and keeping players happy as well whilst you rotate them is probably a skill in itself because you know you've got these players putting in really good performances but then dropping them from the starting lineup and in the next game and I suppose a lot of players might feel hard done by um by that and it's probably difficult the man management side of it is probably quite difficult there but you know, when you've got five substitutions, you can use a game then. Maybe it makes it a little bit easier because even if you are dropped, you know that you're potentially getting 30 minutes towards the end of the game um, to come on and make an impact. And if players are understanding that it's not really being dropped, it's more of a rest, then I suppose that makes it easier for them. Um, yeah, but... I, 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 a modern manager parlance seems to be that... Um... It's not about it's not about first eleven and substitutes. It's about starters and finishers, Pete. 
Yeah, and um, yeah, well, you got five substitutions, so it's you got the ability to change half your outfield squad um, in a game. So just because you're starting on the bench, it doesn't mean that you you've not got your chance to make an impact. And I suppose a lot of the impact, for example, Tom Fellows, it, I can't imagine he'd have such an impact on games if he was starting them. I think his his pace and with how direct he is, I think it definitely suits him to come on um, late in games when defenders are probably a little bit tired and. The last thing they want is somebody just knocking the ball past them, step overs and um, being so direct against them. So I think some players are probably more suited to, to start and some places, players are probably more suited to finishing. And as long as you're in the match day squad, then you know you got the you could well have a chance to um, have a huge impact on the game. So I don't think it's... Players probably don't see it as that big of an issue as, of being dropped as long as it's communicated properly to them and they trust the manager um, and... They all seem to at the minute. Do the fans need to trust the manager a bit more, Pete? Um, Lewis Cox has done a piece today about um, Corbrand's response to the Boo Boys, as it were. Now, Corbrand, uh, l- l- let me be very clear about this. Corbrand hasn't in any way, shape or form called the fans out. In fact, he's been extremely understanding of the fans um, expressing their opinion and, and feeling frustrated. He's just He's just called for a little bit more patience. And look, I'll always hold my hand up here. I'm not going to. I'm not going to start uh, saying that I'm. I'm perfect. I have not. I have not booed the team at any point this season, and nor do I plan to. However, I'm not going to pretend that during that first half I wasn't screaming at our players to get it forward a bit more and and play forward. I found that for first half extremely frustrating against QPR, and as as did most fans. So I I, I kind of understand the feeling. I understand where 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 people are coming from. However. As I say, six clean sheets in the last eight. We're sixth in the league. We haven't spent a penny in transfer fees under this manager as yet. We've brought in five players, um, two of which are attacking players who are injured, um, one of which is a right-back who's barely played, one of which was um, a right midfielder on loan last season who is no longer with the club, and the other is Chalaber, who's you know just about finding his form. He's got an injury list as long as my arm um it and and yet you know and i uh, look in the heat of battle yeah we all we all get we all get a bit angry we all get a bit frustrated but i do find it staggering that corbran is having to defend himself or at least respond to these kind of things because he's you know he, he the team has been booed in um, I think I think the last three home games. I think I think, I think they got booed uh, against uh, against Sheffield. I could be wrong, but certainly against Plymouth and and QPR. And yet we've ended up taking four points from the uh, from those two games. And it happened a lot last season where we you know we'd end up winning these games. I, I appreciate the style of play can be a little bit frustrating. And, and Corbran openly admitted it in his interview after the game. He said, look, I appreciate it looks like we're, we're, we're a bit slow going forward at times. We're not, we're, we're just looking for the spaces. And I, I get that. Um, I do think there are times when we could pick the earlier pass. Um, but overall, and when you, when you stop and just take a step back and look at the bigger picture, as I say, Six clean sheets in eight games, that is a recipe for success, whichever way you want to look at it. Because that that means you can't possibly have lost six six out of those eight games. That's it's not it's not possible because you haven't conceded a goal. 
So you're guaranteed to have, uh, to have not lost six of the last eight games. That is a pretty good recipe for success. On top of that, we were bottom this time last year. This man took us to within one result of the playoffs. He's now took us to sixth with the most horrendous injury list with no forwards, really, of, uh, outside of the ones who are starting. You know, he's he's now getting performances out of a, a young lad who last season was on loan at Crawley. You know, and I'm not decrying um, Tom Fellows, but my point is if you're, if, if, we're now turning as our great white hope to a kid who was playing League Two football last year. So that's where we're at at this moment in time. And and yet he's still got a sixth. I And I, I'm saying this to myself as much as anybody else, Pete, because as I say, I was one of the ones in that first half against QPR hollering at our players. As I say, I was not booing and I will not boo, but um, I, I, was, I was certainly hollering at the players to to get it forward a bit quicker. I think as a collective, as a fan base, I think we've just got to trust the manager because my goodness me, he hasn't steered us very far wrong so far. And he absolutely categorically knows what he's doing. Okay, things might be a little bit frustrating at times. And no, it's not very often that we're going to do what we did at Preston and go and blow a team away 4-0. We're generally, when we win games, we're probably going to win them 1-2-0. or But do you know what? You get exactly the same amount of points for winning 1-0 at home to Sheffield Wednesday as you do winning 4-0 away at, uh, at Preston. And I think we should trust the manager who's just getting us results week in, week out. Yeah, and uh, um, even the against teams that come to the Hawthorns and even away games and set up like QPR did, then it's going to be frustrating for the fans and for the players because you know they leave, left so little space in between the lines and it was so hard to break them down. It's so difficult for it to be just a free-flowing attack and... Um, well, once you've got the first goal, then it makes it a little bit easier because they've got to come out and leave a bit more space. And that's when things start to, to flow a bit more. And, and we saw in the second half that we look, were looking a lot better. Um, and then we went to grab the second goal as well. Um, but it's just getting that first goal. And I imagine the players are as frustrated as, as the fans are. But I think you've got to trust them and trust the managers to um, to know what the plan is and how all the work that's been put in building up to the game to to work out this plan to, to break down a side, then, um, yeah, I think you've just got to have a little bit of faith and a little bit of patience, especially against teams that are set up like that. Then, yeah, like I say, once you've got that first goal against teams that are set up like that, then it makes it a lot easier and probably more entertaining. But it can be very difficult to, to get that first goal. But, yeah, you've just got to have the patience, I think. And the booing and not having the support probably makes it more difficult for the players as well. So, it's yeah, I, th- I think, as I've said, patience i think is just the key for that that kind of game lastly pete coventry on monday um a tricky game uh, <laughs> a team that um that much like most in the championship is having a very up and down season i mean it, it's mad it's mad to think coventry are a 20th in the league but i mean the re- the reality of the situation is they're, tw- they're they're 20th in the league and they're only five points off us. So, you know, I mean, it, it can all turn around very, very quickly in, in this division. I don't think, I don't, I, I don't think you can look at the league. I think the only, the only areas of the league table where, where you can look at it and, and say categorically are 
Sheffield Wednesday QPR and Rotherham are pretty bad uh, because they are Rotherham are five points off Huddersfield above them. QPR are six points off safety, and uh, Sheffield Wednesday are whopping eleven points off uh, off off safety. And then you you've got to say Leicester and Ipswich, Leicester and Ipswich are extremely good on uh, uh, you know Leicester are, uh, are 14, 14 points clear of third place after thirteen games. That is frightening. Ipswich nine points clear of third place with a game in hand. I, I think you look at those five teams and you say those three at the bottom are pretty bad and those two at the top are pretty good. And then the rest of the league, it, whether, whether you're fourth or 20th, there's probably not actually that much between you. So I think I think that's the reality of the, of the situation. Coventry obviously... Uh, come into it with a, you know, off a couple of bad results, losing to Rotherham, losing to losing to Bristol City, but they do have um, Callum O'Hare back, which is going to be a big boost for them. He was he was on the bench uh, in in midweek. I suppose the big question at the moment, the one debate point, Pete, has been, and I invite your thoughts on this because I had my say on on X about it, is if Cedric Kipre doesn't recover in time for Monday, which I think he probably won't um, because I think Corbrand suggested today we're recording on on Friday on Friday night um, that uh, that he was still suffering quite a bit of pain. The big question mark is if he's not fit, who do you replace him with? Because Joe Chapman very uh, very um, eloquently laid out the the alternatives, and I think they they largely seem to be either bringing Caleb Taylor. Drop your Koslu back and bring Moat back into midfield. And, and and by the way, regardless, I would bring Moat back into midfield because I thought we were a much better team with him in there. Or move Furlong inside and bring Pipper in at right wing back. Now, the obvious advantages are Taylor is a naturalised centre-half, but then we end up with quite a slow three centre-halves of, um, of, of Taylor, Bartley and, and Peters. Furlong obviously gives you pace and he's got an excellent leap on him and he can pass the ball, but it means you're changing two players effectively for one, because you're changing your right back and your centre half in effect. And then your Koslu is definitely better on the ball than, than, than Taylor. And he gives you that passing out of defense. But again, you end up with quite a slow three centre half. So, if Kipre's missing, what what would you be tempted to do? Because it looks like a is not going to be out. And I suppose that the the only the only other one that you could do is Townsend is back because he had a sickness uh, thing um, against QPR. And if if you did want to bring Taylor in or bring your Koslu in, and you were worried about you wanted a little bit more pace in there, you could always leave Peters out and put Townsend in on the left hand side. Um, I think on Coventry, something quite interesting is it's probably twenty if they're. Rank fourth for expected points, so I think kind of the performances are probably a bit better than the results again. So yeah, despite not being um, actually very far off off the playoff places in terms of points, um, I don't think the, the actual position in the league table is very representative of how how they've been this season. But they're they're the they're the anti Preston, Pete. <laughs> the anti Preston, yeah. Um, so I think well, it could be a, a tough game um, on Monday, but. In terms of the centre backs, I think Ajay would obviously be the, the preferred option if he was available. But yeah, I, I suppose it's a difficult one. I think I'd be tempted to to give Caleb Taylor a chance. Um, last season he played as, I think he played the left 
centre-back of a back three, so he's, he's used to be playing as a wide centre-back. And you'd probably think that being right-footed, he'd, he'd be more um, comfortable playing on, on the right side, but still playing in that wide centre-back role. So he's got a bit of experience probably, doing that. Probably um, didn't have to chase people like Hadji Wright, though, in uh, <laughs> in League One, did he? No, but um, from what I've seen, I think he's quite quick. Um, so it probably helps. Um, but also from set-pieces, I think he'd be more of a threat. Um, got attacking set-pieces um, and... If we're struggling to create from open play, then I suppose it's another another weapon to have. And just actually naturally being a centre-back, uh, with the Yokozula as the other option. He played centre-back a little bit um, whilst he was in Spain. But I think, yeah, I think I'd be more comfortable having a player that um, regularly plays in that position rather than just kind of filling the, the hole with with Yokozula. And especially if we want him to play in midfield, then, you know, it makes it even more difficult. Um, so I think I think Caleb Taylor would probably be my option. Townsend is difficult because being left footed. Um, you know, if it's Eric Peters that we're looking to, if it's Eric Peters that was out injured, then I think Townsend would probably be the natural choice there. Um, but being left footed, you wouldn't. It, it makes it a bit more difficult to kind of move the whole, move everyone around to fit everyone into to places where they're going to be comfortable. So yeah, I think Taylor would be the best option for me. Um, but definitely be interesting to see what he does. Well, we wait with bated breath to see what he does and what Albion can do at uh, Coventry. I'm daft enough to be taking my taking myself off there, despite, uh, by the way, despite their disgusting pricing of uh, of tickets. I believe it was thirty seven pounds a ticket for a Championship football game on a Monday night. Coventry City, you should be ashamed of yourselves. Absolutely abysmal from you, by the way. But we shall leave it there with my complaints at Coventry's uh, prices, and uh, we shall be back to look back on that uh, on that Coventry City game. So Pete and I will be back uh, in midweek uh, next week when we will reflect upon what we hope is a very positive result in Coventry. But until then, thanks for listening and up the baggies. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Albion have certainly been sharing the goals around this season. They're well into double figures now for different championship goal scorers. So why not take a leaf out of their book and do some sharing of your own with a McNugget share box? Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? Our participating restaurants, 18+, plus. serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.